Let's continue in our talks from 1 Samuel by reading 1 Samuel chapter 5. In this chapter, we have the Ark of the Covenant in Philistine country. But God makes his presence and power known even in enemy territory. 1 Samuel chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors or boils, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh toward us and Dagon our God. Therefore they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do to the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried away to Gath. So they carried the ark of the God of Israel away. So it was, after they had carried it away, that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. So it was, as the ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought the ark of the God of Israel to us, to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die were stricken with the tumors and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Let's begin our study of this chapter with some background notes. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we saw Israel defeated by the Philistines at the Battle of Ebenezer. In that battle, Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli the high priest, were killed, and Eli himself died when he heard that the Ark of God had been taken by the Philistines. Let's read those verses again in chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day, and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God, 
that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. First Samuel chapter 4, verses 10 through 18. Eli's daughter-in-law also died at this time, as she was giving birth to a son. She named him Ichabod, meaning no glory, because the glory had departed from Israel. Let's read those verses again as well from 1 Samuel chapter 4, beginning with verse 19. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 19-22 through 22. We read in verse 1 of chapter 5, that the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Now, Ashdod was one of five main cities of the Philistines. The others were Ashkelon, Ekron, Gaza, and Gath. Remember, Gath was the home of Goliath. We see in verse 2 that the Philistines put the ark into the temple of their god, Dagon. Now, Dagon was the fish god or fertility god of the Philistines. You know, on one of our Holy Land tours, we stayed in a hotel in Ashkelon, named the Dagon Hotel. Well, fortunately, there were no images to Dagon in the lobby, or I think we would have moved, left, or at least pushed the image over. (laughs) (laughs) But there was no images there. Praise the Lord. The image of the fish god Dagon was half man and half fish. The upper part was the image of a man, and the lower part was the tail of a fish. We read in verse 3 that during the night, the image of Dagon fell over before the ark of God. So the Philistines propped Dagon up again, thinking it was an accident and probably blaming one of their own priests for not being more careful when handling the image of their God. But once again, that night, Dagon fell over before the ark of the Lord, verse 4. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon, fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. The trunk or torso of Dagon would be mainly the fish part of the image. You know, you got to believe that God has a sense of humor here. Well, rather than get the message that their God was powerless before the one true God of Israel, the Philistines continued to reverence Dagon, even the threshold of the temple where their idol had fallen. How blind is the condition of people without God? And that brings us to our doctrinal teaching points for this chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 5. Doctrinal point number one, God will not be reduced to a small g God. God will not be reduced to a small g God. Why did the Philistines put the Ark of the Covenant into their temple along with their God, Dagon? Answer, because the Philistines were polytheists. The Philistines did not deny that there was a god or gods of the Hebrews, 
and that this God or gods was powerful. Look what they said back in chapter 4, verse 8, when Israel brought the Ark of the Covenant into camp. Woe to us, this is the Philistines speaking, woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. As far as the Philistines were concerned, placing the Ark of God beside their god Dagon in their pagan temple was giving the god of the Hebrews a place of honor among the gods. What they were actually doing was reducing God to the level of Dagon, the Philistine fish god. God of Israel was just one of many gods, small g. But God will not be reduced to a small g God. Just as the Philistines tried to reduce God to the level of their god, Dagon, so modern pagans try to reduce God in much the same way today. In just about every grade school, high school, and university in this country, it is taught that the Bible is not uniquely God's word. It is only one religious book among many religious books. And Christianity is just another religion. It is only one way among many ways. These folks think they are doing the Bible and Christianity a big favor by giving them what they think is a place of honor besides other books and religions. In essence, they are reducing the one true God to the level of a God, small g. But God will not be reduced to a small g God. There is only one book inspired by the one true God. The Bible is uniquely the word of God. And there is only one true religion and only one way to the one true God. And that is through Jesus Christ, God's only son. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 14, 6. God will not be reduced to a small g God. Doctrinal point number two. God will not be appeased like a small g God. God will not be appeased like a small g God. We read in verse 6 that the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors or boils, both Ashdod and its territory. So what did the people of Ashdod do when they realized that the ark of God was causing tumors or boils? After counsel, they sent it on to Gath so that they could get the tumors as well. From Gath, it was sent on to Ekron, like a hot potato. Now, from the Philistines' point of view, they were not trying to pass on the tumors to their fellow Philistines. No. They perceived that the God of Israel was angry with where they had placed him, and so they were trying to appease this angry God with moving him around to where he wanted to settle. After all, this is the way it worked in the realm of the pagan gods. As long as the gods were appeased, they were no longer angry. But God will not be appeased, as in the case of a god, small g. We know, of course, from Scripture, that behind the idols of the pagan gods, there are demonic forces, and demons do demand to be appeased. This is part of the bondage that is the life of pagan unbelievers. But God is not appeased like the pagan gods. He is not appeased at all. God is a God of love and offers free salvation to anyone who will turn to him in saving faith. God is not appeased by money or works. Salvation is not attained by appeasement. Now, the New Testament word propitiation is not the idea of appeasement. Many people get this confused here. God is not appeased. 
Propitiation is the truth that the wrath of God against sin is satisfied by the death of Christ on the cross. He died for our sins. God will not be appeased like a small g God. What about practical application from 1 Samuel chapter 5? Don't prop up your idols. Don't prop up your idols. What did the Philistines do when their idol fell over before the Ark of the Covenant? They propped it up again. Rather than acknowledge that their idol of stone was being taken down by the God of Israel, they propped up their idol again. And if God hadn't taken the head and hands off Dagon, the Philistines would have continued to prop up their idol. Are we guilty of propping up our idols? 1 John 5.21, which is addressed to Christians, says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Idols are things that prevent us from making God number one in our lives. Now, God has ways of having our idols fall over before him so that we will get the message that our priorities are wrong. Too often, we don't get the message, and we prop up our idols once again rather than honor and worship the Lord alone. Sometimes God has to remove or even destroy our idols so that we don't continue to prop them up. God would rather have us deal with these idols and remove them from our priority list so that he can bless us. Do you have any idols that are in the process of falling over? Don't prop them up. Don't prop up your idols.